at my high school, they had a work-based learning class. In that work-based like learning class. Kind of like preparing you for like corporate like internship. internship. Yeah, right. like internship. And as a part of that, they kind of showed like professional and unprofessional looks. <laughs> I probably checked all the boxes for unprofessional looks <laughs> at the time. <laughs> But like they just they just put up a picture of you like <laughs> they might as well have because like I was wearing a do rag because my, I had just gotten my hair braided and I like I was I was not dealing with the humidity inside of a public school in New York City because you know when they throw that heat on that shit is crazy <laughs> and my hair is mad curly so you know my braids is gonna be like mad fuzzy after all that humidity so I just tie my hair down. Have my do rag on in class. Essentially, I looked at it and they was like, "This is what you need to look like to get the job." And I'm like, "Well, I want the job." And so, you know, right around the time they was doing interviews and all of that, I went and cut my head. Mi gente was good. Welcome to another episode of the Quintueras podcast, brought to you by Plural. You already know it's your boy Pavel. Bring you another special episode with another very special guest. As a reminder, on this podcast, our mission is to redefine professionalism because I feel like we've been trained to believe our entire lives that who we are authentically, naturally is unprofessional, which couldn't be further from the truth. So every week on this podcast, we have a different guest join us for a very candid conversation around their experience navigating professionalism versus authenticity. Speaking of guests, the clip that you heard in the intro is with this week's guest, Joelle Durant. Y'all gonna feel seen, heard, related, and the episode is full of laughs throughout. Before getting to the episode, let me give you a quick little bio to give you some perspective on who Joelle is. So Joelle was actually born in the Dominican Republic and raised in East New York, Brooklyn. These days, he's working at a pretty big tech company, one of which you might have heard, Microsoft. <laughs> Specifically, he's working on the Windows product. That said, before getting into this huge tech company and doing all the dope and amazing things that he's doing, his journey was filled with adversity. He grew up on Section 8 and held a variety of jobs and entrepreneurial endeavors, which you're going to hear about in this episode. And he did all this throughout his journey, in his words, to Americanize and fit in socially. To get a full bio, please be sure to check out the show notes and or the episode description, depending on where you're listening. Now that you know a little bit more about our guest, Let's get into this dope episode. All right, so let's kick it off where we always start off with the buzzword of authenticity. You probably hear it all the time, but what does it mean to you when you hear it? How you pronounce my name to the way I can switch up styles. For instance, like, I, you know, we recording, right? So, like, I had to tuck this in. This is probably, like, you know, who my authentic self actually is. And I would say like tuck it in because I don't want this to be the topic of conversation that I'm eating. So we start off with that and we say like, can you actually be your full authentic self at work if you from East New York, Brooklyn, if you from Bonao, Dominican Republic. So being my full authentic self, sometimes I feel like it's too loud. Let's talk about East New York, Brooklyn, right? Take me back to when you were growing up, I think the expectations that are often put on us by our families is kind of like that first time where people are telling us what we should or shouldn't be. Like, tell me about some of those expectations that you think your family had for you growing up or how you showed up. I think the expectation was just to go to school. That's it. Simple. And just get good grades. Yeah, go to school, get good grades. And for some reason, our parents thought that that would just solve itself from there. Uh, like if you went to school, you got a degree 
And, you know, a lot of times, like, it just, it, it depends on what degree you get. And, you know, I was lucky, luckily enough that one day I wanted to be a history major because I was just into history. I was into, like, I would watch Netflix documentaries or just, like, of just history, like, of what, what has happened. And to this day, or you, do you still do that? It's been, like, on the downturn, like, the, the, the decline, <laughs> like, the trend is downwards. But at the time, I was obsessed with it. And I looked up one day on Google history major salary and I'm in, I'm in New York city. Uh, if you, if you, most people know New York city is not, not cheap. It's expensive. And the average salary was $30,000 for a, his, a history major. And I was like, I was making $30,000 then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, so I'm gonna go to school. I'm gonna pay, get in debt, like 40, 50 grand to go to school and then come out making 30k potentially like it, it didn't it didn't add up uh, and so uh then i started you know leaning more towards like okay like i'm a little tech savvy you know like if if you're an immigrant in the household you know you're supposed to fix everything <laughs> in the crib like you're supposed to know all your parents passwords they get mad at you if, if you don't know the password but they never gave you the password <laughs> so those type of things kind of helped started you know i started leaning towards technology and that's that's where like in that same Google search was like computer science major salary, and I was like, hmm, okay, mm. we could work with that. <laughs> so, er, so early on for you, money was important in, in like your guidance on like what to study, and it was for me too. Like the only reason I legit went into economics was because I did the same search. I was like, damn, investment bankers—that's what they be doing. I ultimately landed in tech, but my initial idea was to like do stocks and investment banking not because i cared about it but because i want to make money yeah it was a huge driver because you know we was on section eight we had we had been homeless gone through the shelter system and so that was a big a big deal like yeah money doesn't you know equate to happiness and there's like a certain level where money like kind of plateaus what how much happiness you could achieve quote unquote mm -hmm. but when you broke you know what i'm saying like all you could think about is being broke <laughs> Cause all your problems is about being broke. <laughs> so you can't even <laughs> afford the, you don't even have the affordance to, to sit there and say, you know, today's not such a bad day. Nah, today's a terrible day. Cause we don't even know like what's going on. You don't even got a place to stay. When you are thinking about the investment of college and just thinking about making money, like I was already, you know, 13, 14 years old. I was cleaning up the barbershop to just get a couple bucks. Or oh, I was, I was a bus boy at the restaurant down the block because I wanted to, I wanted to get fly. I wanted to have J's. I wanted to have, you know, I wouldn't say just the latest trends, but like I wanted to have clothes that was like mm. not, you know, just the hand-me-downs from my older brothers. Mm -hmm. So money was a big deal. And not only for that, but also for the ability to help my family. Yeah. Because uh, be it that I was born in the Dominican Republic, we have a lot of close family members who still live there and they don't have the opportunity to make money like we do here. If you're able-bodied or even super intelligent over there you could just be lack of the resource or, or the opportunity to your point like you think about money it's not only to support you but to support potentially family here and abroad did that come with any pressure very much because from from early on like a part of your check is going towards bills mm. so you grow up really fast then for me i took it as a okay i gotta help out with this phone bill i gotta help out with this internet bill if we want to have internet because for a lot of months we didn't have internet mm. uh, i was like I gotta make more money. So I resulted to more hustles. And then I started selling candy. I started selling hats. 
uh, there was always that kind of entrepreneurship feel to, to you know, that hustle, uh, especially because my older brother was also like an entrepreneur and he still is to this day. Um, I didn't know that about you. Yeah. Wait, so uh, were you, did you say like you were supporting a basketball team on the train? Like what was your spiel? <laughs> when you uh, said the candy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so when we were doing the candy, the candy runs, it was for actually for basketball. But then I kind of just... I kept I kept running that, you know what I'm saying? I kept running that when it was my own candy from Costco. <laughs> and and fun fact, I never had a Costco card or or not even the Costco card, the BJ's. Cause uh we we didn't have a Costco's near there, but now I got Costco's card. Uh, adult adult star there. But okay. <laughs> I would always look for the nicest person on the line. I would sneak into BJ's. You know how when you go into BJ's, you have to have the card. So I would mm -hmm. go in like, I would wait for like a family to walk in, and then I walk in right behind them. I look like I'm with them now. Boom! Now I'm in BJ's, and then when I'm like on the line with with all the candies that's mad cheap at BJ's, I look for like, you know, like maybe a nice a nice woman or old lady, and be like, hey, excuse me, miss, like. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get some candies. I'll pay for it, but like, can I use your BJ's card? And they'd be like, yeah, of course. Da, da. And that's how I was at the time, like, you know, hustling the the candy game. <laughs> that like a lot of people would be like terrified to do that. And mind you, I was like 13, 14 years old. Yo, I don't even know if right now I would do that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yo, for you to do that at such a young age, like, I don't know. I'm putting myself in your shoes, and I'm and I'm thinking. Even if you were scared of rejection, like maybe the idea or the need to, to hustle just like overrid, is that if that's a word, you know what I mean? Like it took over the fear that you potentially even had about it. Yeah, I think uh, if you meet my father, you'll understand a lot. Like mm. my father is is a very like his charm is a big part yeah. of his personality, you know, to, to put it in some like, you know, there's I think seven or eight of us. <laughs> children, <laughs> not, bro, all that's the, not all the same uh, mother. <laughs> oh my god! Hashtag Dominican men don't cheat. <laughs> bro, Let's talk about put, dads. Let's not put that out there. Let's not put that out there. Bro, all right. So I got my dad. I got a brother in Puerto Rico. I got a sister in Boston, and I got another sister in Florida. Yeah, they're know. they're the Mister Bahapanti over here. You feel me? Like Jesus. Uh, you know, shout I don't out even to, know where we're going with this. Shout out to, shout out to this new generation of Dominican men who are and, and, and we wonder, yo, I've had women where like I go out to dance and we're like dancing bachata and shit. And she'd be like, oh my God, where you from? And I'd be like, Dominican. They literally leave me on the dance floor. They run away. Bro, yeah, it's tough out here. It's very tough out here. But back to, the, back to this idea of like you feeling pressure though, right? Because I think the pressure could come from two sides. There's literally people that tell us like yo the whole family's riding on you or we put that pressure on ourselves where do you think that pressure came from for you i think more than anything it came from myself just seeing my circumstances mm -hmm. and wanting to, to change them when like the only thing in your crib is and you know i was fortunate enough to even have anything but the only thing in your crib is a box of platanos and like <laughs> you eating that shit for lunch breakfast dinner and you've done every combination of you know how you can make a platano, fried, yeah. boiled, oven, <laughs> maduro, <laughs> green. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? We got creative. And so, and by the way, I love platanos, but 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you get you get tired of anything eventually, right? Yeah, but 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 you do get tired of it, and and you also like even at that early age start to recognize like oh like this is like what we got. A box of Lucky Charms was definitely a luxury, in in the prop in, in the crib, and not to say much, but I put my I put pressure on myself, especially once I saw my older siblings start to you know branch out and do their own thing. Uh, my oldest brother went to Syracuse. And then uh, the other one, you know, he went and had a kid and, you know, moved out the, the house as well. And he was, on his, you know, he was on, on his own trajectory. And so I was kind of left at home, still the teenager with my, with my yeah. father, trying to figure out, okay, like how to do things, how to cook, you know, and not only cook, but also provide at the same time while you, you got school and basketball practice and all these other things going on. So I definitely put yeah. that pressure on myself. I was very like, intentional about like where i wanted to go like i don't think you're alone in that for example like my mom never told me like i had to study business or i had to go into this or I had to go into that she like you like she just wanted me to get good grades and, Ooh, and get yeah. a degree i'm the one that put that pressure on myself and i think when we want something so bad we often like do whatever it takes to to be successful right talk to me about your first it could be internship it could be a job you don't have to tell me where it is but Think back to like that first grown adult job. How did you show up? How did you look? I definitely didn't look like how I look today. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Tangent, real quick. I went to this uh, this high school in Brooklyn called P-Tech. It was a six-year program. Mm -hmm. And they have two partners. They have uh, CUNY uh, as a college mm -hmm. partner to kind of offer the college classes. And then they had IBM as a corporate partner. And the That's whole idea... The, yeah, the whole idea is to be able to provide a pathway to career. And mm -hmm. so I got my first internship there when I was 16. Damn. Um, and I was, yeah, and I was a marketing intern. Mm -hmm. But that was part of the program. Like, there was other interns who, you know, were also 16. And, you know, they've gone on to, to have awesome careers and, and whatever they're, they're up to today. But how did I look and, and you know, what was my, my thoughts and where, 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 where was I? Uh, at the time, you know, at the time I was doing the stuff that I was just mentioning. I was hustling and a lot of that hustle was physical labor, you know, getting on the train, whatever, whatever weather, going all the way from new lots all the way to Harlem on the three train, going back and forth or whether it was like standing at the barbershop waiting for, you know, the hair to be blown dry to you or like standing for 10 hours at the restaurant and washing dishes. It's very labor intensive. And of course I had the ability to do it at the time. But when I got my first corporate job at the time, I think minimum wage was like eight, seven, seven something uh, an hour <laughs> yeah. at in New York, which is I think way higher now. But that internship at IBM and when I was four, when I was 16 offered me Fourteen dollars an hour, which was almost double the rate. You thought you was killing it, probably. I was like fourteen dollars <laughs> an hour. On top of that, like I'm sitting all day, so I'm going. Yeah, yeah, my, yeah. I'm, I'm coming home with calluses or like my sneakers is like cooked. I'm putting them through through whatever weather New York City given that day. <laughs> <laughs> because if it was snow, rain, whatever it was, like I was wearing you know, whatever sneakers I was going to wear. And, and they was going up and down the trains, up and down the stairs in New York City with me. And give me, so, give me like an, an emotion when you like, maybe your first check, you were probably like, made it. 
This episode of the Ginduera's podcast is sponsored by McDonald's. Since 1985, McDonald's has given over $33 million in scholarships. You can win one of 30 scholarships available and win a scholarship of up to $100,000. This year, McDonald's is giving away $500,000 in scholarships. Since 1985, Hased has helped aspiring Latino students achieve their dreams of going to college. But despite students' unwavering desire for progress, they still feel lost and powerless, making the need for support greater than ever. And that means it's time to hacer more. Students can apply to McDonald's Hacer National Scholarship and go further like Katia in Chazareta. To apply to the McDonald's Hacer National Scholarship, visit mcdonalds.com slash hacer. That is H-A-C-E-R. For me, I, I got really held it. And I was like, wow, like it was like amazement at how much money I made without doing as much physical labor. Mm. At the time, I just thought, okay, like I have to do this much work to make this much money. Mm -hmm. Like I have to be actually physically exhausted and like make to make this money. And at the end of that, like, you know, that pay period, I wasn't tired, like in terms of like physically. And so that kind of sparked a, a plug in me and like really really drove me to finish the college route because I was like, wait, I could do this corporate hustle regardless of like that. If that's what I want to do for the rest of my career. But like I could use that income and move move forward to, to whatever goals I have. So it was very much a, a euphoric feeling. Yeah. Kind of like a, a light bulb popping up. <laughs> like it opened your eyes to even like what's possible. Exactly. You know, it showed me a whole different world. Cause now I'm in the office, you know, and I think that that talks about a little bit about how I looked right at the time I had braids. Um, really? I had braids. I definitely was wearing do rags. I was sagging my pants. It was still kind of, <laughs> kind of the baggy era slash, yeah. you know, so it wasn't, it wasn't just yet like the skinny jeans all the way through. Wait um, to the office. You wore the do rag and you sagging your pants. So I was going to, I was going to get to that. I was going to get okay, to that. Okay. Okay. So okay. At my high school they had they had a work-based learning class and in that work kind of like learning, preparing you for like corporate like internship. internship yeah right like internship. and as a part of that they kind of showed like professional and unprofessional look <laughs> and yeah. i probably checked all the boxes for unprofessional <laughs> look <laughs> at the time but like they just they just put up a picture of you like <laughs> they might as well have because like i was wearing a do-rag because I had just gotten my hair braided and I like I was I was not dealing with the humidity inside of a public school in New York City because you know when they throw that heat on, that shit is crazy. <laughs> and my hair is mad curly, so you know, my braids is finna be like mad fuzzy after all that humidity. So I, I just tie my hair down, boop, 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 have my do-rag on in class, and mad teachers will, will be blowing minds about that. But anyways, that's besides the point. <laughs> Yeah, you're so New York. I love it, man. That's besides the point. But essentially, I looked at it and they was like, this is what you need to look like to get the job. And I'm like, well, I want the job. And so I believe like, you know, right around the time they was doing interviews and all of that, I went and cut my head. I went and cut my head. I kind of like, you know, I had some, I guess, dapper clothing. And so I tapped into, into that. But that wasn't like my everyday look. Or matter of fact, that wasn't my look. Unless like we was going to church or 
it just wasn't the, the look that I was comfortable in. Yo, at that time, I think there was an opportunity to wear that because back in the day, like to get into clubs, you had to wear like work attire. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I hated that era. I I personally like in, in that era, like I there was spots in Brooklyn that still was very down to earth and wasn't rocking out like that. So I shout out to those places that like wasn't holding no, you know, dress code. To, to get in because i'm spending money i'm spending money in your spot like what do you yeah. care how i look facts you know it's the same thing for, for work like i'm coming in and i'm you know i'm gonna I'm probably perform but yeah. since i had no experience and I, I ain't even know what's going on in this corporate world and nobody to guide me either i kind of was just like i just conform and assimilate it and it's not just you like we all do it because we want to be successful but also there's the pressure that you like beautifully illustrated earlier of of just like wanting to make it out of the environments that we grew up in not only for ourselves but our family try to put yourself in those shoes back in the day like do you remember just like how you felt in that moment like did you even think about it you were like or was it just like an easy thing for you like well i want to make money well fuck it let me cut my hair like or did you have any feelings of like damn do i really want to do this oh no it was automatic for me at the time yeah it was automatic for me at the time because, like, the main motivator for me was money. I was, oh, I got to do that? That's easy. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to do that tomorrow. <laughs> I had a boy that went, um, that went to school with me at Northeastern, and he's, he did the same thing. He, he walked into orientation with braids, and uh, it was, like, freshman orientation. He looked around and didn't see anybody that looked like him, and he literally that day made an appointment and cut his braids. Yeah, and I'm sure, unfortunately that has led to some success in his career that's interesting yeah and i love how you right? said unfortunately as well yeah right i'm not saying if you know I, i'm saying it intentionally unfortunately that has led to some success in his career and so so right now we got the curls going and the beard long but even when i started first like full-time corporate job after i graduated college i was still pretty dab but i was still given very like low beard or no beard at all and if I had some hair, like I would have that little side part, Prince voice look, you feel me? <laughs> <laughs> That's what my barber used to call it. He was like, Te va a ser Prince Roy. I'm like, so so when when was it for you? Like what was that moment when you started to be a little bit more yourself? I think in the past two or three years it's it's been like, it didn't happen like overnight. Right. But I started to notice, I was like, I was like, I'm a whole completely different person. Like as soon as I pop out of work, mm. you know what I'm saying? Or is that that whole conundrum of like Monday first meeting people like, how was your weekend? I was like, relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what you used to say. Uh, yeah. I'll be like, it was a relaxing <laughs> weekend. I spent there watching some movies, spent some time with family. Meanwhile, meanwhile. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was popping bottles in the club. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, why why did you feel the need to lie though? It just didn't feel appropriate. Like it felt it felt kind of like shameful, to some extent. Uh, why? Even if I even if I said something like, "Oh, I went to a party," it just sound it does it didn't sound like anything that anyone else said. You know, mm. everyone else was either older or not black or Hispanic, and so I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I don't know what they were actually doing during the weekends, but they were certainly keeping it very brief about what happened during the weekend. And so I, you know, 
as as assimilation goes, I did what everybody else was doing. Mm-hmm. In terms of like what happened my weekend. But it sounds like there was a moment where maybe you just like left work and you were like, oh, finally I could be myself. Or you like, I don't know. Like, it sounds like you just had like a realization. Like, what, what was that thought process like for you? Well, if I'm being completely honest, your work has definitely had an influence on, on some of uh, the full throttle transition of this. And just just a shout out to you giving you your flowers. But also like even bef- before that, it was about kind of the way I talked, I have a, a like, you know, deep New York accent or like people recognize it wherever I'm at. And I've lived in very different cities already. So like I noticed like like people I'd be at the store picking up a pair of kicks and just just the way I describe the kicks, they'd be like, yo, you from New York? I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't even, I'm asking for sneakers. Why are you talking about New York? <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but it's those characteristics that I feel like allow me to to do my best work because I'm able to come in and, and say how I feel like it is instead of like taking a moment and filtering my opinion. So it may, was it a matter of like how you spoke as well? Like you would how say I spoke, how I dressed, my hair, my beard. I think the chain is still like a thing that like I haven't come over. I've always at least had a simple chain on and even like the simple one. Like I remember I had like a, a way thinner like jesus piece and one day i forgot i forgot i had it on and at the time a white manager goes oh is that gold it's looking looking nice man like it's but it comes it becomes a topic of conversation which you know at work you necessarily don't want to distract the conversation or you feel like you, you don't want to be a distraction because you already that, stand out. that's interesting though because it's funny because at the beginning of our conversation you had it tucked in mm-hmm. and you were just finishing like you were going into lunch which i'm assuming you had a couple meetings before that and like as soon as we started talking you untucked it which is fascinating and you even said the word i kind of asked you like briefly i was like wait why did you have it tucked in and you said something along the lines of like well i don't want to be seen like i'm too much which makes me assume that you've probably received that feedback before i I don't think directly i've Mm. never i've never received the the feedback directly but Mm. it becomes a topic of conversation and ain't that interesting though like even compliments could sometimes make us feel uncomfortable because like yeah like that's fast i'm just like thinking as you're speaking i'm just like maybe i just want to be seen for the value that i'm providing versus the chain that i'm wearing you know what or, i mean i don't know or even or even the style or the hairstyle that i'm wearing that day you know like when yeah. i braid when i braid my hair or come in with a different hairstyle that's also oh like your hair like did you do something to it? Like, yeah, I did something. I braided it. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, like, does it? I'm, I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying. I'm trying to get a sense of like in your brain. Like, how does it make you feel when certain people, whether it be good or bad, like just the fact that it's a topic of conversation. Like, is it uncomfortable? Like, what sort of feelings come up? I feel like there's some discomfort there, simply because I don't think those conversations or those either compliments happen to other people or at least i haven't observed that happening and it could just be because these people are showing up they don't have a chain they don't change their hairstyle and they're pretty consistent and so um, which there's there's nothing wrong with that but i guess with being from our communities you know that like a lot of times we might switch up the hair we might want to rock a beard we might want to rock a fade we might want to 
braid our hair we might 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 want to lock our hair like whatever it is even you know like the other thing i didn't mention was like i used to have my left ear pierced and i no longer have my left ear pierced so that's that's also a thing like i took that out you know back when i initially cut my hair because that was also a thing that was in that presentation like that was looked at as unprofessional but you know as you say like what did that left earring have anything to do with what I could offer to the business. That's that's a fact. I'm 32 right now, and it's gonna be this year when I pierce my ears. I have never had them pierced because back in the day, my, my grandfather was like, do you see presidents with piercings? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, man, it's it's um it's really interesting. I think the fascinating thing too is that you know the first step is like finding the courage to be our authentic self, but then once we do do it, it's it's like often met with resistance. Tell me about a time where you think like a part of your authenticity was met with resistance outside of that high school example. Mm -hmm. There was a there was a moment where I think the team a team I, that I was on at, at a past employer was was doing a potluck. Uh, <laughs> I brought some oxtail and I made it pretty spicy. And so one of the the coworkers, I won't describe them or whatever, uh, they, I don't know if there was an allergic reaction or like it was just too spicy for them. They went to urgent care after they, they I don't know if they went to urgent care or whatever, but they left, they left work. And I forgot who pulled me to the side, but someone pulled me to the side and said something. I don't, I, I feel like I was so worried about the coworker that I didn't like fully like hear this person. But what I recall feeling from whatever remark they made was that you shouldn't have brought food. It's how I interpreted it. I don't remember the exact words that they said, mm -hmm. uh, but that was a, a feeling where I was like, oh, I can't even bring like an authentic dish. So it, it was a moment where I, I felt like my, my authenticity was very much like, I was the only black slash Hispanic in, in the office. And so other people had brought coleslaw and <laughs> mashed potatoes uh <laughs> maybe yeah, some yeah. rotisserie chicken yeah and i was like oh i want to you know i wanted to show off like i, I wanted yeah. to like show them like oh like i get busy in the kitchen and i think it was, sure. it was it was definitely a moment where like i took a step back and i was like wow i i, I kind of even felt a little little hurt i was obviously worried about the core because i was like i don't know if like i put something in it that they were allergic to whatever it may be but then i never i never brought the conversation back up because i just i wanted to forget it i feel you man well listen i will eat your rabitos anytime <laughs> <laughs> That's, a, that's something my grandma, and she's a little older, but she still makes to this day. Um, she's be slapping. Well, I ain't do most of the cooking, just FYI, but, but I was but, in but, there, you know. I was in there. I was really. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but that's, that's tough, man. I remember many times feeling insecure about those sort of things. Like, I've had my fair share of potlucks, and uh, I, I think I, like, bought it from, like, a neighbor or something. Some some neighbor had, like a like, a fritura business that she had. Like you get a fucking platter of of, of kipel and fucking empanadas and all the, a bunch of type of shit, and uh, oh, I was so nervous going into it, on just like oh my god, what are they gonna think? And like I'll be like oh my god, is anyone gonna take anything? But I remember for a long time before that, I was like, yo, I'm about to just buy Intimates cake from the deli and call it a day. Like they they're gonna fuck with the Intimates cake. I don't know if they're gonna fuck with my fritura plate. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. it's tough. I think that's why I'm certainly grateful for the diversity that the teams that I've been on recently have had because, well, due to the whole like remote work, we haven't been able to, to have like, you know, potentially a potluck or something like that. But mm -hmm. I'm pretty confident in, you know, if I had brought that same dish, that there wouldn't have been a reaction from at least those, those coworkers. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm curious too, like, how do you think, do you think your comfort level goes along with the titles or years of experience that you have as well? I mean, obviously it's tough to feel confident and comfortable being your most authentic self at 16 at a company like IBM. And mm. now, you know, you got some years under your belt. You got a cool title that people would kill for. Mm -hmm. Do you think it it goes along with that? It definitely does. It's definitely an aspect of, of confidence that comes from the corporate career wise, because I feel like one thing my mom has always said, I remember when, when I did have the long hair, cause like, you know, Dominican parents, they'll come at you for, for <laughs> long hair too. Quita de sagreña. You know, my mom, I think she, of course, with good intentions, she would say, you know, once you have the job or once you have the experience, like you could grow your hair, you could, you could do whatever you want. You could get a, a tattoo. Like it was a big deal when I got a tattoo and mm -hmm. you know, the only reason she, she even felt like, you know, she liked it was cause it's her father. So, mm -hmm. but then she was like, you don't think about getting any more. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry to disappoint you, mom, but there's probably going to be more. <laughs> and so I, there was some merit to what my mom said, right? Like once you have it, you can go ahead and do, you know, whatever you want, like have the tattoo, sh have it showing, you know, sometimes I'm in a meeting and I, I, I sit back and it's like around here. And so that'll, that'll show. But in the past, like I had long sleeps always. So that wouldn't pop up or even become a topic of conversation. And, you know, now I don't even think about it. But it's also because, like you said, I have those years of experience. I've reached a point in my career where I'm very confident in the work that I deliver to the business. Mm. And that, I think, allows me the affordance and the privilege to move a little more freely when it comes to how I dress, how I look, to some extent, even how I talk. Mm. So these days, if somebody asks you what you did this weekend, are you telling them you, you looked at the History Channel? Like, what are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think I think I'm a... I'm a, I'm a, I'm a I'm not giving the full story, but, but if I was out, you know, partying, like, I'll say that, like, I'll definitely Interesting. say that. Interesting. Yeah, I, was, I went to a couple parties this weekend. They were a good time. And afterwards I just cleaned up the house, which I did. Okay. All right. All right. Listen, like we're still, we're still working on ourselves. We're still growing. I'm excited for the day where you, when you'll, you'll show off the chain and you'll untuck it all day. But listen, what continues to What's the one thing that continues to inspire you or even like empower you to continue being your most authentic self at work? I think the fact that there's always new hires mm. coming in. I love being close to interns and, and new hires for a lot of reasons. I think I think they offer a different perspective, but also the mentorship aspect. I, I definitely get energy from being a mentor or being someone that that someone could look up to and because I, I i certainly always look for people to look up to myself that being the case we had a i think an intern from jamaica queen mm -hmm. and she was black and i think maybe probably the only black black woman on that team and i i don't fully understand you know the challenges that she probably has to face but i do want to be an ally 
And so I'm like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm from New York too. I'm from East New York, 75th Precinct. Was good. Like I'm talking to her like that. And so she she's able to to feel a little bit more comfortable being the person that, that she wants to be. If she is still learning who that is, because I think when I was an intern, I was still learning who that person was in the full spectrum. I think that it's very critical for, for me to, for especially that audience, to show up as myself. Facts. Like, I just think about my, my friend going back to his first day, freshman year orientation, looking around, not seeing anyone else that looks like him. He's like, I got to cut the braids off. What if he did see a bunch of people that look like him and was still wearing what he was yeah. wearing and, and looking like he wanted to look? He probably would be like, oh, shit, I could be myself here. Like you're yeah. providing that representation for people to be like, oh, shit, maybe this is the place that I could finally do it. Right. So, and and yeah. it's because, you know, like I mentioned, like the past couple of teams I've been on, I've had the privilege of having, you know, peers who were black and Hispanic. And that was dope because prior to that, I used to be the only one. And I think mm -hmm. that's a common topic that we talk about, you know, in corporate America, especially being black or Hispanic when you're the only one is is very hard to, to be for authentic so you know yeah. you're the only person in the room and no one else looks like you so there's that aspect of even if you're not consciously thinking about it there is a subconscious yeah. also thinking about it mi gente that wraps up this week's episode of the can do it as podcast if you enjoyed what you heard leave us a rating and review like share comment all of this engagement will help to ensure that these stories and experiences get heard by more people because that's how we're going to redefine professionalism. Thank you and tune in next week for another episode.